0: there's a quite a mixture of, of
1: practitioners in here some of you are new and some of you have been practicing for, for a while i'll do my best to uh, present the dharma the teachings in a way
0: that is um, equally interesting and helpful to all of you. To present uh, the
1: Dharma is something very interesting because it's something that, that I really can't teach you. Uh, the only thing I can do is just show you the way and then you have to do it on your own. But what I'm trying to do is to present as clear as possible the the path in which we go, even though in Chan we say there is no path, and you go, what? So welcome to Chan and what appears to be contradictions where we say that we follow a path, but there's no path. So how does that make any sense? It only makes sense when we begin to utilize our mind. Now, mind is something very interesting because uh, it isn't what you believe it to be. It isn't consciousness. Consciousness is a manifestation that appears within mind. But it is not your mind. If it was consciousness, your consciousness itself would be able to manifest whatever you wanted. For instance, if you put into your mind that you wanted to fly then you could fly but if you put it in your mind and you see yourself flying and using your imagination that you're flying that's mine but that's only a manifestation in mind. it's not it's not um, your true mind that which enabled you to have an image of yourself flying is mine now by now you probably say what the heck This is kind of very interesting that I'm doing, but what I'm doing is kind of starting from the very beginning and taking the floor away. So you're here, you're on your cushion, and Chan just really takes the floor away. and says, at this point in time, this is not um, as real as you think it is. We investigate mine And sometimes we talk about contemplating mind. What that means is is that we bring the mind to the forefront. We begin to look at that rather than um, consciousness or illusions. The illusions in mind are essentially everything that moves. So if you look around this room, this whole room is an illusion. It's not easy for us to to look at things in this way. But if we come back in a hundred years, would this illusion still be here?
0: It's temporary. And if we come back in a hundred years, maybe um,
1: you would be something other than, than a human at that time. So we look at things as they are, as and we begin to see them, and the the sutras are always talking about uncalculable numbers. Uh, oftentimes,
0: when I uh, come across a um, a monk or a nun, I give them a fossil and um, and hand it to them and say that this was a fossil of let's say a bug um, from 600 million years ago. 600 million years ago, that's
1: pretty long time. It's not a number that we can calculate in our mind or count. We run out of toes and fingers pretty fast doing that. It's not gonna happen. But it enables us to to begin to see how vast mind is because all of that occurred in mind, not in your mind, not in your flesh and blood because your flesh and blood has a very short shelf life relative to mind, which doesn't have a shelf life. But when we look at things, we have to look at it in what we call the right view right view is seeing things as they are and it's a different type of seeing. it's a it is that
0: the mind views mind with truth the truth of things it's not easy for us to do that because we have to suspend our belief that everything that we say think feel is not real but we really do not understand that whatever appears is an a dream or a phantom an illusion this is ch'an that we begin to contemplate
1: and see these things. Now, some of you are really beginners. Some of you may not even have a method yet, but it's okay, you can listen to this. Um, And in some ways, it it may produce some confusion, but Sean is very good at producing confusion intentionally. It's confusion is there is so that you do not trust your five senses, and you go, oh no! I gotta trust my five senses. No, so I wouldn't take poison. You wouldn't. No. <laughs> if I offered you a donut, <laughs> would you take it? A jelly donut, maybe, or something that's there? Would you take it? No. I've, you know, it's very interesting because of what we do. We 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 live in a world that is literally created by ignorance. There's a sutra called the Queen from Maladevi's Lions Roar Sutra that talks about Nisi entrenchment. Nisi entrenchment is this fundamental ignorance that we believe that we exist apart from everything else. And that we view the world through our eyes, and therefore that we exist. And um, but it, it really isn't this way. The truth is, is, is that this world is temporary. And if you think about it, have we seen a dinosaur around? No, they were here before you. For millions of years before you. And how long have we been here as a relative culture? Maybe 60,000 years, maybe
0: 90,000 years. Not even a a tenth of of a million years. But yet we
1: think that everything here was created by us in some way or by a, a divinity. And then what happened? Before that, the other 599 million years was that just here before, spontaneously appearing.
0: We use our truth to look at things. When you sit on your cushion, you're not there just trying to stop the baby from crying.
1: You've run into me some of you are experienced practitioners. Some of you are new. But you have a good fortune to run into me. Because maybe if you think, you know, you're not really sure what I'm saying, by the end of this retreat, you're going to be scratching your head and saying, what if he's right? What about this? And, and looking into this, this is Chan. Chan doesn't sit
0: here and say, okay. I'm going to tell you the meaning of life. That's that's useless. But if I told you where to look for the truth, that's pretty good. And
1: you can take that and you can comparison shop with wherever you go. And you want to go in comparison shop to an atheist or paganism or, you know, a um, Presbyterian, whatever it is, comparison shop and see what's there. But always look for the truth. Always look for that. That's very important. The truth is that there is something that is called the Buddha nature.
0: It is the intrinsic um, nature of all sentient beings. All sentient beings are beings that that arise and have some form of sentience, some form of of thinking. All of them possess this Buddha nature. Master Ling Chi, um,
1: one of the uh, ancient Chan masters, said, do you want to see the the buddhas you want to see the buddhas then people said yeah we want to see it they were thinking he's magically going to conjure up some buddhas in front of them maybe a guy with a fat belly or somebody sitting serenely or whatever and he said they're not other than you those who are listening to me at this moment standing well you see we let you sit at that time, they made a stand <laughs> standing before me. It's not other than you. And so you have to look at things in this way,
0: not other than me, not your body, because your body, you know, um, as as
1: you get older, it has a shelf life of a avocado or a banana um right now you may be like an, a nice like firm peach or something you know but come back in a few years and there's some of these saggy peaches that are in here already <laughs> but but in any case it's not that It
0: it is the mind this mind that you have it has never been born never been born It's always been there. And there is a
1: saying in Chan saying, to know all of the Buddhas of the past, present, and future, just like like Master Ling Chi was saying. He says,
0: perceive that all dharma, Dharma nature, all phenomena is created by the mind. This is a big clue, a major, major clue, Because we see things
1: and we say, oh, this, everything around us is created by the mind. Not by us as individuals, but in accordance with uh, causes and conditions. And these causes and conditions never fail. Everything is, is woven out of the fabric of mind, interconnected by the fabric of mind whether it is sacred or perceived to be foul or profane, it nevertheless comes from mind in accordance with causes and conditions. The thing about mind is it's like a mirror. It doesn't pick and choose what is projected on it. It allows it in accordance with causes and conditions. Once we know how mind works, then it makes it easier for us to practice. But if we practice without knowing right view, I don't care how long you're going to sit. I don't care how many sutras you've read. I don't care, you know,
0: where you think you are. You're never going to get it. You have to understand how mind works. It, it's something
1: that's very, very simple. It, it's like so obvious. Like, let's say you wanted to become a computer technician and you say, I, I'm going to open up a business to fix
0: computers. What's the first thing that you need to do? Anybody? The first thing you need to do if you were, you're gonna open up a business to fix computers. Come on, it's obvious. You have to know how a computer works. Right, Because
1: if you open up a shop, I fix computers and they come to you and they go, what's wrong with my computer? I don't know. It just makes this noise and this
0: blue screen. Well, can't you fix it? I don't know. I don't know how the computer works. You're not much of a computer specialist, are you? So then I ask you, especially
1: some of you that have been sitting on your cushions for years
0: what the heck are you doing on your cushion do you know how mine works if you don't know how mine works
1: are you sitting there like the ancients said like some old
0: hen trying to to hatch a wooden egg or cold stone in in or a stone in cold water just sitting there. This is not the way we sit. When you listen to a well-known advisor and, and they tell you that
1: the object of Chan is to understand and contemplate how mind works. So when you begin to practice in the right way And you understand how the mind works you have a chance you're at least in the game if not you're just there you know um again the the ancients would say you're just like a wooden decoy a duck decoy just sitting there nothing nothing's happening and and then you get up and you might yawn and say that was a good nap or that was good you know i didn't think about things too much or they came up and i couldn't stop them because you don't know how mine works you don't know what's there and in the parlance of of computer programming
0: and we look at what's wrong with the computer what's wrong with this and we realize oh my goodness i am the virus I'm the one that makes this computer not work right because I make it believe
1: that everything should run through me. And then I make a mess of it.
0: Through body, speech, and mind, I make the wrong decisions. What I needed was wisdom of how life works. Yes, you can have a donut. But don't eat a dozen at one time. That's pretty
1: common sense, right? But how many times have we eaten a dozen donuts when we should have only had one? And by now, I hope you know I'm not just referring to donuts.
2: (laughs)
0: I'll just have one more for the road. Um, And We make mistakes like that all the time. Some of you are young. And I hope you
1: don't make the mistakes that some people in here have made, including myself. No. Because you're sitting and listening and making wise choices, you make less mistakes. That's the way that the computer works. That's the way everything runs. Don't mess it up.
0: This is the wonderful part of of the practice of Chan. We don't cut off our heads and then go around looking for our heads. That's how one master equated practicing in the wrong way. Your your mind is perfectly in its place right now. This mind
1: is where it should be present in this moment if it begins to go off somewhere else then then it's wrong it should be with the body that's simple okay so when we practice to meditate one check is the body and the mind together the body's here but the mind is well It won't work here at the beach because here at the beach you'll be freezing but <laughs> but in California it works, so I'm gonna have to find something else for you to, <laughs> some diversion here. Um Chicago Bears now, I don't think they're they're doing very well either. Um so in any case, you're somewhere else, they need to come together. So rule one in life is always have the body and the mind together. Simple. It's very, very simple. If you do that, you're not there at work looking at a picture of uh, a Hawaiian vacation the whole time and just looking at it and wishing that you were there or whatever it is that you you, you have. You no, know, your body and mind together, when your body and mind are t- together, whatever you do, you you do it. Before I came in here, I had some time that I had so... I just started studying. And then the next moment, like a snap of the finger, it's time for me to come here to sit before you.
0: The mind is like that.
1: It didn't mean that, where did that time go? It's just the mind was occupied on on that moment in that present moment and studying. And it was well-oriented as to time and space. I'm an attorney by trade, and that's how we check to see if people have capacity, whether they're well-oriented as to time and space. So if I ask an old person who's the president, and they say Ronald Reagan, then that's a problem, okay? Um, if they say Trump, then I'd say, well, that's not their problem, you know, <laughs> they denied he he got voted out of office. Sorry, but... Uh, end of political stuff Um, but the thing is is that people have to know where they're at as to time and space we're constantly like some kind of mystics actually projecting ourselves somewhere other than where we should be sometimes we go to the past sometimes we go to the future or we go to to somewhere else at this very same time i wonder what you know my family's doing i wonder whether i left the 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 kitchen stove on or i left the garage door open or whatever it is all these things things that will divert you from being with your body at this time you need to be here okay wherever you're at you need to be there if you're driving of course you should be in your car and driving carefully it is just in this way so Chan is really practical because it tells you, okay, you have to be here. And the other thing it does is it bestows upon you what you already have. And that's mind. It doesn't say that you need to go and look for your mind. It says in just this moment, this very mind that
0: you're using is the Buddha mind. You already have it. Wow. That's pretty good, right? You have the Buddha mind right now. And
1: and you go, oh, thank you. Thank you for giving me. I didn't give you anything. You just awoken to the fact that this very mind that you're using right now is not other than the Buddha mind. Now, here's the thing. In the practice of Chan, it's like Going to um, Las Vegas. I don't know where you guys go. Maybe Chicago has its gaming places. Go into a gaming place, and you start with a big stack of chips. And then every time you veer off in your cushion, you lose a chip. And then you go again. Every time you have some kind of a discriminating thought, you lose a chip. You lose a chip. Till finally, it's gone. You lost your mind
0: now you're in the illusion but here's a good thing when you remember stay with the method you come
1: back and the stack of chips comes right back up again it's yours to lose again
0: you didn't lose it really you just misplaced it okay you just forgot how
1: to use it and because of Habitual patterns and causes and conditions and lifetime after lifetime of believing that you're a life and being and just rebooting to to a new lifetime and then doing
0: this, you you've forgotten your true nature. You you forgot this wonderful luminosity of your mind. And you exchanged it. You exchanged it. For suffering you made that choice you made the choice that you're going to suffer and the bad thing about it is people who suffer want other
1: people to suffer with them right have you ever had a friend that's so down and they just want to unload on you all the troubles that they have Blah, 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 blah. Misery loves company. Or
0: because of their suffering, they want you to directly suffer by harming them. This is is wrong. Yet we keep repeating these patterns in our life
1: because we don't know how mind works. We don't identify the virus. The virus is not the mind. The virus is clinging to the idea of an ego or personality or a life and being. That ego, personality, or life and being that appears to be there is not there. It is what drives you to make wrong decisions moment to moment. You cannot um, literally drive in your life. If, your mind, if you set your mind to driving on the road, like the way you think, you'd be all over the road, going backwards, forwards, fast, slow, braking, all sorts of banging into cars because they looked at you or whatever they did.
0: But yet we accept that as the norm. We accept that as the way that we believe that we are. This is very sad because we don't know the truth. We don't know the truth that this very mind is the Buddha mind. And when we understand this, then when we get on a cushion, we know what we're doing. All
1: we're doing is just trying to stabilize and keep the mind in
0: one spot, and not being either bedazzled or vexed by thoughts coming up,
1: thoughts coming up. I want this. I don't want this. What am I going to do with that? I should have said that to that person. All these things coming up. They're coming up naturally in mind. Why? Because you put them there. They're coming up naturally. And what do we think
0: we want to do when we sit on a cushion? What people think. It's so stupid. Pardon me, but it is. I want
1: my thoughts to go away. Please, you don't know how mine works. You can't do that. You can't just say, I, I'm gonna I'll stop my thoughts, because that's like saying, I don't want to see the steam coming out of a steam kettle that's on the on the burner sooner or later it's going to blow or you're going to if you're holding your thumb on the
0: the nozzle it's going to burn because naturally that pressure has to be released so if we sit on a
1: cushion and we want to quiet our mind our mind is naturally quiet all we have to do is understand that when we sit when we sit we understand this mind is quiet Already, as we are, it's quiet. We don't have to do anything to do that. But if we run around in our mind trying to put out this fire and that fire and that thought and that thought and chasing after them and, and going around going like a library. <sighs> quiet.
0: Quiet. We just become annoyed. You become impatient. Because you don't know how to meditate.
1: Even if you've been meditating for a long time. If you meditate in this way. Truly it's a waste. Well it's not really a waste. Because at least you learn. That you can keep your legs crossed for 40 minutes. Even if you're in extreme pain.
0: But. But in terms of progress. When we practice. We practice. In what's called the shortcut. Who wants to know the shortcut to the practice no or would you go all
1: right how far is it over there well you have to go like a thousand miles that way and then 800 miles that way and then you make a left and you go there so it's about 2500 miles you know or longer and you you go that's a long way
0: or you can take the shortcut well, how long is that? Well, that's like 50 miles. No, I, I prefer to take the long way around. But that's what we do. But that doesn't make any sense. The shortcut is to know that this mind is the Buddha
1: mind. Don't think this mind is like, like you create the image that you are a Buddha and sitting somewhere with a golden robe and everything and there's Lights going all over you like
0: that. Okay. The Buddha mind just represents your intrinsic nature that everyone has.
1: So it wasn't like Shaka Buddha from 2,500 years ago came down and said, "Hey, you know, um, you you need to pray to me and adore me and to do these things, and uh, I'm the only Buddha." what purpose would that serve for
0: him to do that? You go, okay, he came, and he went, you know, and the world's still a mess. But the appearance of of Shakyamuni Buddha was
1: here to let us know that we all have this nature within us. It's called Buddha, this enlightened nature, but in fact, there's nothing to enlighten to. It is just simply your intrinsic nature. Even if you walk out of here and vow never to sit on a cushion again, you have not lost that nature. You still take it with you because you never lost it in the first
0: place. You sort of just misplaced it. Okay. The other day, I was looking for my keys and somebody told me, oh, you lost your
1: keys? And I went, no. I didn't lose them. I just misplaced them. So I didn't give up looking for it. And eventually I found my keys because I didn't lose them. And so it is in the same way in when we practice. But the good thing is that every time we practice and we sit, if we lose our method, we can come back to it. And we try again. We reset the game. And here's the thing. So every time when you sit to meditate, you have the Buddha mind already with you. You have this mind. One of you I was talking to, and the person said, "Well, you know when i'm when I begin to meditate, i I have to take time to get myself into the meditating mood and to crank everything up and flip all the switches and everything in order to meditate." and to develop the concentration. I said, why do you do that? I say, doing that, you create a duality of that which has uh, to be arrived at and that has not yet arrived there. And so you're already starting in the hole because it's like something you have to get to. It's better when you come to the cushion and you sit. This is the Buddha mind. Get to it. It's yours to lose at that moment. So you you have all the switches all turned on, everything's good to go. The system is ready to go. You begin to understand the elements that should be present. And as you're there approaching the cushion, you're already in a quiet mode. You don't sit there, and this is like what a lot of people do, is they take five or 10 minutes to try to get themselves into a meditative state because they think they need five or 10 minutes to get into the meditative state you could get into a meditative state in in a snap of fingers it doesn't take you long to be there don't start thinking that you you know this meditative state is something that that you acquire you don't acquire it you bring it to the cushion. But the problem is is when you come to the cushion, you come to the cushion with all these vexations and discriminations and false thinking. and as a result, you can't use it right out of the box, but you you right out of the box, you got it. When you were born in this lifetime, along in that box, the the basic operating program was mine. That was there. It was already in there. It has to be there because, Everything here is a projection. It has to be projected on somewhere. Not only does it have to be projected on something, but it has to be um, created by something. So the mind is not just a screen in which the, there's things that are projected, but it is the things that creates the images that go onto there. So if things can be created that are profane, it too can create those things that are wholesome, that are beneficial, that are loving. We just have to dial that in. We know it'll work because that's the way mind works. It's it's very, very simple. But we don't see that. We don't see how mind works. That's what why what i teach is called mind work because i start from the opposite end a lot of people start from the idea that they want to have this uh try to clean their act up and if they do this and this and this and this and this and this this, they will see their mind but they already have it
0: there's there's nothing else to see what do you want to see No. Some people are looking for that extra special um, experience
1: that that like uh, as if they had won the lotto or whatever.
0: You already have won the lotto. You won. You have it right now. And the good thing about it is you can never lose it. You can misplace it, but you're not going to lose it. You just have to try to remember. We talk about awakening. Awakening is remembering mine. Remembering. You remember
1: how mine was? It was so pleasant. It's everything so equal. And I don't remember that. I just remember suffering. I remember coming out of the womb crying. I want air. I want air. And then after that, what? I want warmth. I want warmth, and I want milk. And you just cry, and you came in here crying and screaming. But nevertheless, you brought your mind with you. You just forgot it the moment you came out. It wasn't really a pleasant experience. Maybe the parents are going, "Oh, look at the the child coming up. The baby's looking. What the heck is that?" <laughs> no. Who slapped me?
0: No, and and that's how we start coming out. There's what's called the Tathagata Garba, fancy Sanskrit word about uh, um, sometimes referred to as Lulai in Chinese. So, this term is the Buddha womb. This is where this body really came from one of um, my dharma brothers Bo
1: Xunfashe, he uh he's always asking people who is your mother you know so it all goes around to everybody who's your mother who's your mother you don't really know who your mother is and um because he's trying to show from where you came from this this body you know, we believe it came from the Wu, but we don't understand how. Master Shen Yang used to say that uh, scientists can tell you that um, how you were born to your parents. Um, and you look and you think, that's pretty obvious, you know, how we were born. But they cannot tell you why you were born to your parents. It's very interesting. So, Because we don't understand mind. We don't understand the connections that are there. What I'm doing is is preconditioning you to accept the Dharma that I will teach you later. But some of you are beginners. Some of you have been practicing. Some of you, this is a refresher course. Some of you don't need the refresher course. But those who don't need it will listen because it can't hurt. Um, and some of you would think that they don't need a refresher court, you better listen.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, so the thing is, is is that in this weekend, it's a very short period of time for me
1: to present to you the Dharma in a way that's meaningful to you, in a way that may change the course of your life and and change the course of the life of the people around you and for you to create a beautiful environment around you. So when we practice, what we do is we, we try to create this loving environment that surrounds us, and we invite people into that environment. We, they trust us. They have faith. So they will come to you. They will say, you know, I have this problem. Can you help me with this? Can this or whatever it is because they trust you you create this trust there they have faith in what you say and isn't that a lot better than hanging a sign on your door saying you know enter at your own peril you know as soon as you get into the to next to the person you know and they're already giving you a dirty look so you don't want to really get close to them repulsed by it but imagine you can do this and you can you can create this little mini pure land
0: around you that lets people in. That has a sign there saying "I care." I care. Not bad, right? So even if I was completely wrong about
1: origin of mind and everything else, what harm could I do to people uh, around me when I'm I'm telling them to? to have this loving kindness towards each other, to understand and understand and have pity and patience for people that are in a worse position than them, especially worse position in not being able to understand mine. This is something that is important for us. And these are what we call the prerequisites of Chan. Um, To practice Chan, we have to know what we're doing um, on the cushions. And, and if we just come with this kind of an attitude that, you know, I've already practiced for so many
0: years, what can this old man teach me? Then it's quite a pity. Uh, I learn every single day,
1: every single moment, even when I was studying right now, I'm learning
0: and picking up more and more. You know what I learned? There's a lot more to learning than I can ever learn in this lifetime.
1: It's just amazing. It's like every time I run into new sutras, new treatises, I it would take me a lifetime just to 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 say the names of all these sutras. I'm going. This is a new one. This is a new one. I need to go back to this one. And and so. But the thing is, is that we're a practitioner. We have the attitude, a beginning attitude or beginner's mind. I learned that from Suzuki. That was a, probably the first thing that I learned from Suzuki was have a beginner's mind. And it's never failed me. Every time you sit on the cushion to meditate, have a beginner's mind. There's a lot of people who practice for a long time and they have what I call old dog, chan. Old dog chan is like a dog that's on a spring, warm spring day that's just lying in the grass, just out there warming their body. Just lying there. You know, when they they go bowser and they time to eat, then they get up and (laughs) go to eat. And then they go back out to, to lie in the sun. A lot of people sit like that after they've had 10, 20 years of experience. And, and it's hard to get them to move again. You know, you have to get them like to give them different dog food so they can lose weight and get them to move around, roll a ball, you know, to make them interested again because they're they're just sitting there. And they're good at just sitting, but but they've just turned off all the lights. They're really not making any progress in their practice and so you have to get them off of that kick them off of that because they're comfortable they've learned if i sit and i don't pay attention to my legs then they won't hurt me the more you pay attention to your legs the more your legs are you're going to fear crossing them because you're going to go oh this is not good you know, this is really bad. But that comes with time and experience. But once you learn that and then you get into this sedentary chan, it's not good. Always be a beginner. You never think that you've got it. You just simply sit. And the wonderment of the mind is incredible. What the, what the mind shows you. It shows you in little bits and pieces. It, it does doesn't always just open up and say, well, here it is, you know, you got the big prize and I'm going to show you every single thing about mine. It isn't in that way.
0: It first just reveals that this is a dream. And it may be there and it's kind of like, like
1: you at a circus, just getting a peek inside to see what the show is and it closes up right away but you know that that show is different than the outside so you, so that gives you faith to practice when we understand how to practice we understand that that all we're doing is just stabilizing the mind not the self not the ego the ego then is seen as a projection along with any other projections that come up in the mind. It is not that which is meditating. When you meditate, you do not use your consciousness or your thinking to meditate. Do not do that. This mind, this very mind that you have now, don't think my mind,
0: just think mine. Let that meditate. So, when you meditate, it's clear. And you just
1: let that and And it's not that as if you were looking um, at subject and object. subject and object is duality. One of the principles of Chan and Buddhism is there's no duality. So how is that? There's no duality. We have the idea of the the um that there's no agent, there's no one that is meditating there. So what it is? It's just mind in a settled state. There's no subject and object. Even if we use the method, the method then is not truly a duality, it's a fusion with mind. We are not thinking of the method we're contemplating the method as an appearance in mind, but it's stationary, it doesn't move around. Because it doesn't move around, then we could just rest on on that method. If you're doing sign illumination, you rest in the awareness of the environment. If you're watching the breath, then you rest on watching the breath, or counting the breath, or reciting the Buddha's name, or using a plateau. But we are not thinking of it. When we think of a Watto, we've ruined it. It just we're creating a duality that drives a wedge between mind and and the truth, the fusion that all these appearances, including the idea that you have a consciousness, are when all is dropped off, they fuse, which called absorption or self-absorption, and it is absorbed into mind. So, whether you're uh, an advanced practitioner or a novice, these words should help direct you in the proper way to meditate. You just
0: keep your mind stable, keep it rested. If we think. I cannot rest my mind in that moment. We cannot do it because we're creating that in our mind. What are you doing? You're creating a failure. You're programming your mind.
1: Remember, I said causes and conditions never fail. But if you say, I have faith in this teacher, I have faith in the method, I have faith in mine, and I have faith in myself, and it will work. Even though yourself may be an illusion, we still use it. We It helps us park this mind, and then we park the mind. The mind wants to do that because it's naturally at rest anyway. We think we're rushing around
0: from here to there. All of this is like a dream. But we believe it to be real. We forgot what it's like to be awakened. Wouldn't you like to know that?
1: To, to like be awakened the one ancient um, um, it might have been Han Shan that talked about taking the, the sword of wisdom and slicing
0: or um, a um, a tear in the sky imagine that that is awakening just taking this vajra diamond sword and just cutting
1: a a slice through the sky.
0: How is that? But that's it. That's how it works. It's very, very amazing. It's inconceivable. yet mind, if you imagine that, your mind will be there. It's not going to be looking up at the sky it's going to be on the other side looking through now you're doing Chan see the difference it's a difference in
1: perspective we don't have the perspective of duality of someone that is a a personality a, a life and being or an ego it is mind it's the perception of mind perception of mind is totally different than the perception of a human being the mind can use the perception of of a human being but it uses all perception if it was to look at you it would be looking at you
0: and also you looking at me and them looking at you and me looking at each other pretty cool, huh? It's that way. That's mine. It is the way
1: it is in any moment. We just can't do that because we can't conceive of it. It's it's unconditioned. It isn't something that has brought up. It is just the way it works. Now, what I've talked to you about is way beyond beginners. But I don't think there's a person in this room that isn't capable of listening or putting into practice what I've just talked about. It is just in this way. You just have to have faith in your in this mind and faith that you can do that. And you can do it. It will work. You just keep the mind stable. And it will work. Remember, there's no agent
0: there. Agent meaning somebody that is doing anything. Everything returns to the one, but the one returns to mind. It's beyond any conception. With this, now you are ready to learn how to meditate.
1: Because you have a foundation on how to practice. This is important. So when we we meditate, the first thing we do, very easy, because we're already
0: doing it now. Have an awareness of where you're at. Have an awareness. The first check is, are you awake? Yes.
1: Are you in Chicago? Yes. Are you in a John Hall? Yes. No. Is it nighttime? Yes, you're
0: aware. You're aware of people around you. You're aware of your surroundings. And then you are aware of it in this present moment. So, in this present moment, what is happening? In the present moment, the mind does not drag what occurred just a moment ago into the present doesn't try to hold on to it or anticipate the future. It's perfectly content to be in this present moment. Relax, we relax the body, just in this present moment. Any tension in the body just withers away, drops on. The tongue is lightly touching the roof of the mouth by the teeth. The jaws relax. relaxed. Your eyes are relaxed. Your shoulders and neck are relaxed. Arms and fingers. Your chest is relaxed and your upper back is relaxed. All the tensions falling off of the muscles. Just like tripping off them. Your breathing is relaxed and your heart's relaxed. Your liver, spleen, gallbladder, stomach. All relaxed. Your intestines, small and large, relaxed. Your lower back is relaxed. Your hips are relaxed. And your legs, your ankles and feet. Your whole back body is relaxed. And your mind is relaxed. And it picks up your the method. If you don't have a method, just count your breath to 10 and then return again to count from one again. Counting on the exhale. Wow. Don't try to control your breath. Let it breathe naturally. Two. Your awareness is in all directions. If thoughts arise in the mind, let them go by as if they were clouds. Don't hold on to them. In your awareness, you are aware when they've arisen, but pay no particular attention to them. Just contemplate your method. If you're watching your breath, contemplate the breath. Do not think this is a good breath or a bad breath. Just use your awareness to be aware of where you're at in your breath, at the beginning, at the end of an inhale, beginning of an exhale and the end of the exhale. Just relax. It's as if you were walking in a circle. There's no place to go, no place to be. Just the mind being, not as an entity, but as mind, the truth. Do not conjure up any images. Do not follow images. Just relax. just this moment. Do not engage in thought. Your contemplation must be continuous, like one thought for a thousand years. You can do this. The first key is to relax the body, and the mind. You have awareness all around you. This is your true nature. The mind is fused with everything. Everything comes from mind not even the one it's just this way relax Stay in the present moment to not follow thought. The Buddha is in the present moment, this mind. You're using it now. See how simple it is, just the Buddha mind. Relax. Do not follow thought, sensations, or impressions. Don't move yet. Slowly begin to come out of your meditation. Don't hold, lose this feeling. This feeling is the way you should be all the time peaceful. You could still laugh. You can still cry, but inside is not stirred, not stirred by the emotions, not the tranquility from within is not destroyed by the vexations of this life and the illusions. The world does not disappear. Only one's vexations disappear. One's discrimination, one's suffering. You're relaxed. This is the way you should be all the time. You can engage with people and talk or even talk to a group or talk one-on-one. But the mind is very still, very calm, easy. We, as an ego, mess it up. We disturb this tranquility. But you see, you've never lost it. It's here, right now, right with you in this moment. You see how easy it is to pick it back up again. The moment you begin to stir and suffer, you
1: believed you lost it, but you didn't. You just have to practice bringing
0: it back and bringing it back until it stabilizes. So many people teach about how You can arrive at this mind, but this mind has never left you. You see, you you have it now. At peace, liberation is right there. I think one Theravadi wrote, liberation at the palm of your hand. It's just right here, right in your palm. Does anyone have any questions about what I talked about? You can ask your questions now. Yes, you have to speak loud because so people can hear you. Uh, I, I, have, I have a question
3: about. Uh, my the mind that you were talking about i wonder if it's um i i have the visualization of entering the um, uh, it's almost like the mind is the layer above us all and um through meditation we enter into the same layer and and find the connections that are that are always present there um would you say in this picture is accurate? Exactly?
0: I think your
1: picture creates an idea of duality that's not present, but it, it is something because you're coming from samsara, you're interpreting it in a manner which can be interpreted in samsara because mind itself is inconceivable. But it's not bad in terms of what you're doing because from your practice and study, this is how you're interpreting it. Um, I. I've been talking lately and saying some of you hear me all the time probably go, oh, he's going to say that again. But what I say is that we don't build a stairway to heaven. Okay. And for those who've heard me say this, this is exactly why I'm saying this, is, is that his conceptions of getting to this higher state or or to mind is like a stairway to heaven where we practice the six paramitas, the five precepts, no, um, uh, the 37 factors of, of enlightenment, the eightfold path. And then we try to comport our our actions to something so that we can get to the state. But um, I follow uh, hui Neng. That, that, that type of a way is, is from East Mountain, also um, a tra- tradition from the seventh century and um, from Shenshu. And Hui uh, Ning was also from that from the same uh, patriarch home run, and he used a sudden um, uh, illumination, uh, or what's called subitism. It's a fancy word for you. So if you ever talk to people, no, it's Subatism. Um, so subitism is just sudden enlightenment or this. in this moment when you got to the state, it's sudden. It's there. You didn't have to manufacture it or go through a whole process to get there or climb stairs to get there. It's there because it's naturally there. So so when you get to that point, do not think of conceptualization or or, because the feeling is there. But then what happens is is that the self comes in to try to reclaim its territory. like a dog urinating on, on a, um, a fire hydrant, marking its territories. Hate to put it in that vulgar way, but that's what's happening.
2: Because mm-hmm.
1: it's it's marking its territory and saying, "Yeah, you did a fine job there, Sparky." You know, <laughs> but it, but it is isn't in that way. I I really want to to point this out to you uh, because people will have these kinds of things, but you have. Uh, A very good condition to practice. Okay. And so with this good condition to practice, I want to make these little tiny adjustments to how you look at things. So I'm very glad that you asked this question. Because in doing this, you just, it's just there. There's there's no place to arrive at. The moment that you started becoming aware and relaxing, you're there. There's nothing more to add to it, nothing to reach for or to grasp or to get to. All we're doing is uncovering the obscurations that are there. And the most important one is your sense of self. And when the sense of self drops off, then the mic can see clearly. Once that happened, then your sense of self has a natural anti-antiviral program in
2: it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: which is to try to come back and go and the only way it can come back is by doing and saying yeah you're doing this great job you know and and so then you go you can say that again you're doing a great
2: job <laughs>
1: and so it tricks you and it takes away that luminosity but you think you think that that you're still in that state but you're not what you've done now is replaced it by this kind of a clear cellophane thing that's there where the self is now superimposed into the environment of the mind. You can't see that. It's tricked you, but it's not bad. As long as you, when that happens, you drop that off. Okay. You just drop it off, but it's fine because you got there and then the self comes seeping back in. It's natural. It's natural that that will happen. But now you know. OK, that's the difference. Now you know. That's what a well-known advisor does for you. I'm so happy that you, you uh, asked that question. Any other questions? It could be basic questions. It doesn't matter.
0: Yes? It's, the it's inconceivable, but like I I'm sorry? I'm struggling to understand how to conceive of
3: something unconceivable. Like, like to like sit in meditation and to be sort of, I guess, conceiving the unconceivable, but also like, am I still aware of my sensations, but also not? And like
1: no, because you won't be there. So if you're still there and, and you're aware of sensations, the self is still present. There's still um, we talk about subtle wisdom, and the subtle wisdom is ferreting out those vestiges of self initially self will come up as gross sensations my legs hurt or i'm hungry or i'm cold or whatever it is um, um i can't do it whatever it is that comes up those are gross sensations so they they're obvious ones that come up after a while when you sit to meditate they turn to the ones that he had where they're very subtle, like extremely subtle, but they're still driven by the self. So we have to let those go. As we let those go, then then the mind becomes clearer and quieter. That's inconceivable for us to do that. Don't expect that you get there, and all of a sudden, you know, it's like a slot machine paying off, you know, and the lights are blinking and coins are falling out and whatever. It isn't in that way. It's very subtle, very subtle. And and as we practice, what I don't want you to do is is like wait for the payoff. That's like the worst thing that you can do. And I began to get realizations when I abandoned those notions. Before I was like trying to squeeze it out like I, you know, um, I... I don't say (laughs) anything. He knows me. But but I mean, it's like you're trying to poop a corn cob or something, you know, some dry corn cob, and you're just trying to get there, try to get there, but you can't do it. You know, it doesn't work that way. It's the opposite. Some of you pick this up right away. It's just backing off of all of those things, backing off of any self-impressions. And just relaxing and being content of having the mind be aware without doing anything else but sitting. This is difficult for us because we've learned we have to do things. You know, I think in a hundred years, they're going to teach Chan like this. <laughs> Because the kids won't know what to do with their fingers
0: anymore. <laughs> they want to be hitting those little buttons. So, so I'm, again, with you, fine-tuning so that you,
1: so that when you meditate, you know how to do it. It is, uh, sometimes I use the, the term because I, I'm, now I don't even know Kids know what a rake is. Um, you know, you ever used a rake? Okay, <laughs> your parents sent you out to rake the leaves or whatever, but it's a rake. But when we do it in the wrong way, we're using the other side. And when we practice in a way that we want to get something, we're using the other side. When we turn it around, they, they, they say to turn the mind's eye inward. Um, this term means to use the perception of mind to see things not not the perception coming from the ego the perception of mind is inconceivable as like i said to her it's just this ability to know, know not only what she is thinking and communicate and her seeing me through her eyes towards me but me seeing all of you and you seeing me and knowing what that looks like. That's inconceivable. The the self cannot, cannot do that. The fuse will blow. It's not capable of handling that kind of information. But mind is.
2: <laughs>
1: mind is capable of that. And knowing the thoughts of, of everyone
0: on earth that's ever been or will be. That's inconceivable. It is in this way. Let me let me play a game with you. Tonight
1: is kind of a night where we're doing an introduction of mind anyway. So they, there's one sutra that says that the um, 50 billion Buddha worlds can can fit on a single strand of hair of the Buddha. 50 billion Buddha worlds. And you go, well, that's inconceivable. That's why I'm saying it, because it's inconceivable. Us as as sentient beings cannot conceive of something like that happening. And they say not only can they fit, but without protrusion, meaning like if you're going to look at that little single strand of hair, it's not going to look like a pregnant hair.
0: It's just going to look like a natural hair. 50
1: billion, how can that be?
0: Let's try something, okay? See if this works. Close your eyes and imagine
1: this wooden bowl, just a regular wooden bowl, like a begging bowl or something from a
0: monk from old times, a wooden bowl. Put that in your mind. And then picture right in the center of that bowl a walnut. Try to see the bowl and then the walnut in the bowl. And then that walnut begins to change to an American buffalo. It has the same shape, but now it's changed into a buffalo in the bowl. Try to picture them. And now it's morphing again into this giant mountain in the bowl. Try to picture the mountain in the bowl. Okay, you can open your eyes. Was there anybody that couldn't see that? Maybe you couldn't see it? Okay. Um, so most of you saw it. That's mind. Mind is capable of doing that. Yourself cannot do that. To yourself,
1: that's inconceivable. If you allowed yourself to do it, say, well, no, well, let me stop. The
0: walnut can fit in the bowl, but the buffalo can't fit in the bowl, much less a mountain. But yet you did that. You put the 50 billion Buddha worlds on a single strand of hair. We can't conceive of that with our samsaric existence with ourselves, But the Buddha mind can. The Buddha mind can see things. Sometimes I talk about the world and
1: this fusion between the past, present, and future. And it's interesting, we always point to my resident quantum physicist over here or mechanics person and, and saying that the past, present, and future, they're all together. That's why they say, you know, all the Buddhas of the past, present, and future perceive that all phenomena is created by the mind.
0: But quantum mechanics stole that
1: from, from Buddhists. And It's like you see a cosmic taco. So the world is like this cosmic taco that the the future and the past fold over. And and all times are contained within there. We cannot conceive of it from from our regular mind. Only the weird physicists or quantum people (laughs) can do that kind of stuff. But it's interesting because then we see that the past, present, and future, they're not different. They're not there's there's we we don't see it in this way because we only hear, we measure things. And I was talking to Michael and Alan and and Alan was picking up and going, yeah, the, there's linear, and then there's this nonlinear in terms of looking at things. And when we don't have a measuring point to measure something, all of that stuff, can be manifested in a moment, but not with the subsaric mind. Because the subsaric mind, it it goes like the Indians, well, many moons ago I was born, you know, and it's because you have to measure it from something. So how many moons old are you? Because that's the way we count, right? We don't do it in the ancient way. Well let me count how many phases of the moon, but I give you a hint like like uh whatever your age is, do it both times 12, and you'll figure out how old you are in moons.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: but nevertheless, it's a measurement point. But in mind, mind is all of that. Mind created the moon. So, you know, it, how long did it create a moon ago? Who
0: you knows? So, one master was asked, he goes, um, the, the young monk said, Shifu,
1: Master, how old are you? And he says, I'm as old as the Buddha. And then the, the young monk said, well, then how old is the Buddha? He said, he's as old as me. And that's <laughs> the way things are. It's just this way that, that we don't count it in time because it's all relative. But mind is not relative. Mine creates the relative. So all this tonight, what I've been doing is trying to give you something so to food for not thought, but food for contemplation. So just allowing you to contemplate, see things as, as a as, from a different viewpoint. This viewpoint is right view. Any other questions?
0: Somebody had another question back there before. All right, he came up.
3: Someone once said that when practicing mindfulness if
0: time stands still, that's the wrong way to do it is that correct um it it isn't time becomes seen as relative to other uh,
1: illusory objects and and so if they're saying that that's not the right way to do it where time stands still um it is that Mind creates the time, but mind is cognizant of that. Mind has a knowing that it isn't du- dualistic in its way. And so those terms actually become very relevant. But there's even, you know, I, I remember one story of this one master that was practicing and practicing. And then he went outside because uh, he needed to urinate. And as he was urinating, and it was a moonlit night, He saw the individual droplets of his urine coming out like as if they were still, because his mind was so clear. Then the time became irrelevant and his mind was processing information much faster than than what we've appeared to be an actual reality. So for instance, if you were going to make a slow motion movie Um, you would have to speed up the frames to make it look slow that's with the mind the mind speeds up so fast that 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 um, oftentimes you're waiting for apparent reality to catch up to where you know it's going and so the time becomes irrelevant so it's not quite that way you know it depends on whether we're um defining it from samsara or from from mind um no and and looking at from samsara you know who knows but your question's a good question because what it's doing is beginning to contemplate this stuff which is good it's starting to percolate through so so good question yes um based on how you've been
3: describing mind um it's I'm kind of conceiving in some ways as like an upper like capital M mind and lowercase mind of like there's more universal mind versus like my own individual mind. Um is is that I mean obviously we don't want dualities or dichotomies necessarily, but is um is is there something larger outside of my own mind that we're kind of trying to tap into?
1: Again, these are the questions that should be asked and and starting to percolate up to the top. We do not confuse mind, let's say capital M mind, because a lot of times when I do my writing, I capitalize the M um, with uh, consciousness. And um, consciousness is something that arises in mind. We have a saying That sages return consciousness to mind. Fools turn mind into consciousness. And what that means is that we see it from the right view. So the right view is consciousness belongs to to mind. But in and of itself is is empty. It has no no value. It's an illusion. and, And it's constantly changing. So it's impermanent. So it's one of the three seals in terms of it, um, and so when we when we see things in this way, um, we we're clear about that consciousness appears in mind, and um, and so as I'd mentioned before, there's no agent that does things. There's um, now I'll take you really really deep into. Um, the um, uh, the Dharma uh, Dharmada Vivaga, um, which uh, is uh, distinguishing phenomena from its intrinsic nature. that's the sutra. Um, and that one talks about that if there's nothing to apprehend because that's an illusion, then the mean of an apprehender. Uh, an agent, as I've been mentioning, also false. Because there's since there's nothing to apprehend, how can you call anything an apprehender? So it's just mine. If you can get that, then you, you just jump from, you know, grade school to the university. And, you know, it, because this is something for you to contemplate because you're going that way anyway. So you, I might as well just take you there rather than, just give you little baby steps and abcs you know cross your legs and you know i hope you do okay all right don't fall asleep (laughs) why should i do that i mean your question is one that that is is a good question so all the people that have questions i'm going to respond to them on the level that you're at you know and and so that's good. So don't be afraid. Even if you think you have a, like a silly question or dumb question, there is no such thing like that, you know. Um, and At least as long as you ask a Dharma question, you know, um, don't ask me what my favorite color is or whatever.
0: <laughs> yeah, go ahead. I
3: had a probably basic question about a combination of posture and like the experience of meditation, I often find I put the thoughts like I get over focused on my body, let's put it that way, because I have a lot of injuries. And so I'm curious how you think about that. And then I also wanted to just add a brief comment, which is the time conversation from neurological issues I have. I've had experiences where my motors my body slows down, let's say but my mind moves at normal speed. It's quite a wild sensation, almost like an outer body looking down at myself and the whole world moves in slow motion. So I just think that's fascinating that as that's happening, my mind actually is operating on a different realm. Maybe it goes to big mind, I don't know, but uh, question and comment, so thank you.
1: As to your body, what you get to my age? <laughs> <laughs> I got one
2: here
3: i got
1: one here and here and here and here you know you just um master shen yang used to say and if i say shifu that means master shen yang my master he said you you give your body to the cushion and your mind to the method Mm -hmm. so when you sit down you just give your your body to the cushion you don't think about it you know uh, me sitting here for um almost an hour and a half you know, you know my legs are, are getting uncomfortable but it's okay mm-hmm. you know um and you just leave it alone if you can if you need to straighten them out then you straighten them out it, it's all right you just leave that you know you don't have to to baby your your, your body mm-hmm. you know don't over mother your body mm-hmm. you know um and uh Maybe over father your body if you have a father Mm -hmm. a (laughs) mother. This day and age, I have to be politically correct about everything. (laughs)
2: So,
1: in any case, the the other thing, those are all just experiences. Let them go. Let them go. Just don't be trying to race to get something, or to slow things down, or to speed things up, or whatever. Um, For you, you're better just to stabilize the method. Don't chase after experiences or be concerned if the experiences appear. Mm-hmm. They just let them go. Let let everything go, every mental impression. If it moves, it's condition. It, it's conditioned uh, condition means that it is an illusory appearance. So whatever moves, let it go. So when we're sitting there meditating, And all these thoughts arise from different things. Let them go by like clouds. You don't pay attention. The only thing that stays there is your method. You want to keep your method right there. And you are not thinking of the method. You're just looking at the method, contemplating. And it's mind that's contemplating. Just mind. And you'll become adept at that where you're able to to look at the method from mind rather than look look at it from this thinking, I need to hold this method, I need to hold it, I'm, I'm holding the method, oh, this is so fantastic. Wow, wait till I show Gilbert about this, you know, I'm seeing colors. No, we don't do that. What we do is we just keep it there. You pull the self, the self then, let's say that this is the self and you're the method. And so you pull away from the self. Now you see the self here, as a reflection on on the mirror mind just like you the method you're both being reflected the problem is is that when when the self is there it opagues the mind it obstructs it so i can't really see the method very good because the
0: self's in the way where's where's the method because the self's there and and so when we don't do that then it's clear the method's here. And then
1: eventually the method will just disappear. The natural luminosity of the mind will appear. And I don't want to say, oh, it's like the brightest 10 billion suns or whatever. Don't don't have any conception about luminosity in that way. It is just the ability of the mind to be able to see through things and see things as they are. So as I see you, I just see Buddhas. And I see these bodies like transparent fishes in an ocean. It's just that way. Doesn't mean that you 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 know you just turned into a fish, but but to me I see you in, in this way as as part of the whole mind, and and your projections on mind. So I know exactly from
0: where you come from. It is said that. The mind knows you, but you cannot know the mind. It is in this
1: way. Because you cannot know mind because it's inconceivable. But you nevertheless can use the mind and practice it. And little by little, the mind um, yields up its its secrets. We, We talk about the esoteric. And it yields up its secrets, but it's not in a way... That's conceivable, so you can't make it up. And what happens is when when the people make it up and then they go to a master and, and want confirmation, you know, it doesn't work. There was one person that went in front of Master Shen Yin, and he went to him and said, "Shifu, I want you to know that um, I'm enlightened." And he says, "Really?" And he says, "Yes." And so he started asking him, "Is it?" is it light, is it heavy, does it feel this way, do you have a light here, or whatever, and then the, the, the boy went, Shifu, all these questions you ask me, you're, it's like, you don't believe that I'm enlightened, and he says, well, enlightened people don't act like you, And and that's the thing, so just bear that in mind when you go to try to pass the test, you know. <laughs> it's not as easy as going to the DMV and passing the test. So hopefully nobody's ever walked the DMV test. <laughs> but but in any case, it, it's something because you get fooled. You think that you, you're that way. And I've seen people like that. And they walk around playing like they're enlightened. Oh, it's painful because they, they shy away from you. They go, oh, you know, you should ask Gilbert about that. And they'll shout away. They don't want to be tested. You know, and you can tell them they, they don't, the way they act. But you shouldn't worry about that. You should never think, oh, am I enlightened or am not enlightened or whatever, you know. Um, there are places that you could get that kind of enlightenment, you know. Um, you go to some places and you pay them $10,000 and they'll confirm you're enlightened to the two to ten thousand dollars <laughs> so but anyway don't do that you know the whole thing is is that that we don't try to attain anything we just try to maintain mind so we maintain a state of unawakened uh, not even a state it, it we maintain an awakened mind we don't fall into a mental state so when we fall into a mental state then we start seeing all these things that you're talking about or or this this ceiling up there where you're headed to those are mental states they're they're not really a genuine experience but they're not necessarily bad because there're things along the way you just you you don't stop there that there're things that you will experience but you have to to be very sincere and honest and truthful. And that's so all you say. Okay. Is it moving? If it's moving, it's an illusion. Okay. Is their mind moving? Did I think about it? That's an illusion. Where the heck did he come in? I thought he put him back down there when I started to meditate, but he seeped back in. So you, you become very observant. This is what's called illumination of the mind. The master said, that it is not the crime that thoughts arise in the mind the crime is not knowing soon enough that they had
0: arisen so when we oh i'm ready to sneeze so okay so so if
1: we if we don't know that a thought has arisen it takes over the mind it kind of commandeers it and then it messes it all up but if we stay awake, so we just stay awake, stay awake, stay awake, be aware of, of this moment and be aware that things are coming into the mind. When we see something's coming into the mind, some impression, I want to do that, or I want to get that. or maybe, you know, when I saw those colors, I was enlightened, or whatever it is, things are coming into the mind. You know, what am I going to eat after this? But that has nothing to do with here, so we just let it go. We don't have to push it out. We just have to, through the illumination of the mind, we are aware of all these projections that are on the mind. Your projections. The subtle wisdom is seeing the mental projections that are simply come up as either um, illusions in the mind or mental states. So mental states can come in. Some desire or aversion or vexation or discrimination. It sometimes people who are angry are always looking for something to be angry about have you ever seen that people just looking for something or impatient. you know right away they're they're impatient and and so 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 they don't have to have an object of impatience but the mind is searching for something to hang on to to become impatient those are very subtle subtle movements
0: of the mind so we begin to see those and a lot of times we cannot see the self but the the self is is something that in you have know, the pens mm-hmm. is that binary chan over there <laughs> on that board with all the zeros <laughs> binary channel yeah. Move, move, move. When you get to my age, you have to get right to your body. But let's say this is mine. I don't know if you can put some light on here. So as you're as you're
1: meditating, you're seeing in the mind something like this. As subtle wisdom
0: comes up, you may see something like, oh, all right. Um Oh, there's this car, and it might be a, a diamond ring or whatever. It could be money.
1: Um, it could be a pet, you know, that you
0: have. Maybe dog, kind of. And and all of these things seem like they're rotating and moving and. and 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 see things maybe over here you know you have your boss or your <laughs>
2: husband
1: or your husband you know um, you have a money problem here you know um, it, it could be that you have to mow the lawn or go and get groceries or whatever and all of these seem to be moving in, in a direction, kind of like a black hole, you know, in space, in a black hole, you see stars. And then there's this hole, but you see all these stars, they're moving towards, towards something. You, you can't see anything here, but you see these stars moving towards the thing. And so you deduce, there's something there, even though we can't see it, there's something there. Here, when when thoughts come up like this they're like constellations of vexation or constellations of of desires or whatever but you cannot see what's here what's drawing them in but that is the subtle wisdom to discern that those are are naked desires or vexations or mental states They, they are drawing these things to them and so, so it's pulling them in. Little by little, we start to dissipate very lightly. But as they dissipate, that we still have the subtleness of these things, these kind of cravings that are still there in our mind. We have to discern those. The way we discern initially is when we see that, that things are drawn towards them. So as we begin to discern this, we'll see like a little car now, very small, kind of moving towards the spot. And then so we surmise there's something there. And we
0: understand that it may be colorless, formless, soundless, but nevertheless, it's the subtle point of self
1: that's still drawing things towards it. And so the subtle wisdom is to discern those. Initially, it's enough just to know that your boss shows up, the money problem, the law, the car, whatever. Those are gross sensations. But it's what draws those in that is the very subtle ones. Those are the ones that trick you into thinking that there was the two levels, you know, that you're heading up like a stairway to get this level here. But it isn't in that way. You know, mine is just mine. And so when you see the mind just as mine,
0: then when you when you practice, you could just settle down. You can just settle down, settle down. You don't have to do anything. You just sit. Things come up. We practice not getting them. We practice not going after um, the the things that are there.
1: So some things will come up, you know. Um, and when you're sitting there, it'll start to tempt you. Maybe something like. Like this, you may think that's a snake, but it's not. It's a, <laughs> it's a
2: <commentary. laughs>
1: And it's Hawaii calling you, you mm-hmm. know, and there's you in a hammock, you know, mm-hmm. drinking your pina colada. And that's going to draw you, oh, wow, that's really good. I, I really like that. Or maybe your boss, you know, or whatever, somebody that, that, so because all of these are very strong, gross sensation. Don't go and say, you know, my teacher said you're
2: gross. (laughs) (laughs) So
1: so the thing is, is is that, that these then begin to go away because you spot them. You can spot them from a mile away, okay?
0: The mind is able to discern these a mile away. So how do you say discernment in Chinese? Here's a translator. Say in Chinese loud. Bian Chi. So, why don't
1: you make Chinese here today? Okay. So, Bian so, 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 there's a discernment in the mind. And this discernment sees these things very easily, but we have to use the subtle discernment when we get down to when all these things start to fade away because then we think that it's all clear. But it's not. There's still these vestiges of things that are there of, of self, of these notions of self. And then maybe in the reverse way. You may go up to Eon and say, you're doing a really great job. There's, you see there's nothing here anymore. You know, that's really good. You know, you know I, I think you're like at, at level 10 or 11 by now, whatever it is. And you go, know, where did that come from? Or you may enter into a blissful state
0: and, and, and you go, oh, this is really good. But it, there's still something experiencing it. The thing about mind is it's it's inconceivable, but even a small
1: realization of it is unmistakable because it's not like anything that you could conceive. And that you go, know, how can I how do I know that? Well, you won't know it because it's inconceivable. And you go, well, that, that doesn't even make any sense. Well, not on this side of this, but you have to see it. you are like, have you ever talked to people and you go, know, oh, you could not believe it. You have to see it for yourself, right? And you go, oh, it's so beautiful. So you have to see it for yourself, you know? And they go, well, let me see it. And, then we'll see it. and you're right. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> it's like that, except there's not some park It is something beyond it, you know? And. And so when we we see things, we see things in this way. We use the mind, everything is stabilized. It's as if everything disappears, but then when you come out of it, everything reboots. Just like here, it's all rebooted. You're there. The only difference is that you know. You know in this moment what you're doing. You know what's happening, what you should be saying, what you should not be saying, you know, and, and what you're doing in this room. You're well oriented as to time and space, and when I see some people, I'm going, "That's a need for capacity," but that person's not oriented as to time and space, you know, and that's what we think when the person has lost their mind. But a lot of people, you know, when you meditate, you know, you're not oriented as to you're on the cushion, you're over at the beach in the palm tree, and and so so you have to to keep the mind there. But we don't keep it by force. This is very, very important. When you meditate, it's the opposite. It's the opposite. You don't muscle a method. You don't muscle meditation. What you do is you
0: relax and relax and relax. And when we see things, If the method is here, what's actually seeing it is the knowing part of the mind that's on
1: this side. And it's seeing this, this the method is projected onto the surface of this mirror
0: mind. Have you ever heard that, like read anything that says, oh, the mind is like a mirror or surface of a mirror? No
1: guys ever reading
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so they talk about many analogies of, of mere mind okay but here's the kicker about this this aspect is mind as well it's the knowing part of the mind this knowing part of the mind is not separate these in fact are 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 one and the same but we just split for purpose of, of seeing this. Actually, this whole thing knows everything in it. But if you wanted to define this,
0: you'd have to put little marks going out this way because it's infinite and it's infinite light. But we can't see that because
1: there's all sorts of obscurations here. But when we see that in true way,
0: this side is lighting. This side is light. This is what they call the luminosity of the mind. If the method disappears, and you imagine that this surface is a mirror, this surface is a mirror, the knowing aspect of the mind is a mirror, facing each other, what would it be? What could be seen? Anybody? Huh? I don't think a self can say itself, because
1: that self includes everything, is a projection. So the self, we're assuming the
0: self goes, the method goes. All that remains is a mirror facing a mirror. Mm-hmm. Does that mean that there's nothing there? Whatever it is, it's infinite, right? Mm-hmm. An infinite reflection. But it's inconceivable. Because
1: we're not there to see it. Uh, have you ever been in a barbershop or somewhere where there's two mirrors in there, there and you're saying, Wow, you know, I can go through. It. Uh, there's like 500 of me. You know, you can see that. But if you're not in, in the
0: mirror, what would a mirror see facing another mirror? Just infinite life that's your life things project upon it because of causes and conditions
1: and it's like like somebody comes up and you go oh you smudge the mirror right so then when you smudge the mirror then it's reflected on the other one a thousand times infinite times and this creation of the world and samsara but that
0: smudge doesn't interfere with the ultimate um, nature of the mind. It's just a smudge. When the smudge is removed, it's there. It doesn't matter whether the smudge is there or
1: not. Mine mind is mine. It, it's just that we can't see that because it, after a while, there's so many smudges on it, you know, that,
0: that it, this side gets tricked. Into believing that person that was there meditating is actually real, but they're not real. But the mind falls into um, a uh, a dream state. In the same uh, Dharma, Dharmada Vibhaga, it talks
1: about non conceptual wakefulness. Just kind of play with that term, non conceptual wakefulness. When you wake, this is really the true mind in samsara. The true mind in samsara is samsara meaning anything that's appeared appear. and, here. And if it's awake and it's not conceptual, so it doesn't have an idea of, of, of seeing things in a discriminating way, it functions perfectly. It's able to communicate with you, but it doesn't say, I'm so smart, I'm so wise or gosh, I hope they understand I'm I'm so worried about what they're going to say about that. It doesn't have those kinds of thoughts. It just is like a river that flows. It's non-conceptual, but it functions perfectly just as part of mind. It is in this way.
0: So you are all capable of that. You just don't fall into the dream. No. Don't go into the donut hole,
1: okay? If you go into the donut and you look at it, believe me, you're not gonna be in, in non-conceptual wakefulness. You know, you're gonna be grasping for it. And then you'll know the true meaning of emptiness when it's gone, <laughs> okay? So anyway, that's, that's it for, yes, go ahead.
3: Um, just so way you draw the big circle with the mind and the appearances and then you mentioned um
2: yeah
3: something like their growth, gross, right? The appearances.
1: Gross sensations? sensations,
3: yeah. Do you mean as in growth, as in non-subtle or gross as
1: in fact? No, non-subtle. I was I was making that you probably got tricked when I said don't say your, your boss is gross to him. <laughs> I didn't call your boss gross, but gross in meaning that that it's something so obvious, you know. Um, it's like if we're going to sand something, we use a very strong sandpaper first, and it's very rough. You can feel that. But then as you begin to sand it and sand, it, it becomes finer and finer, it's very smooth. and But you'll still see some imperfections in the wood, you know. So you have to go to a finer and finer sandpaper to remove those final ones. You don't just simply say, I'll, I'll settle for this, this will work. How many of you woodworker people have done that, and then you put your stain on and go, oh, God, look at that, still do the, the scratches in there. Yeah. Nobody just woodwork or what?
2: <laughs> All right.
1: <laughs> You're just afraid to admit it. <laughs> but anyway, that this thing. We just keep doing it. In that way, it's kind of like shen um, you know, polishing the mirror to remove the things. But... But in fact, all it is is the mind being able to observe these very subtle
0: movements,
1: very, very like subtle flutters that are still there, that that are the um, the sense of a personality or life and being, you know, or an ego that's moving, moving things and distorting the mirror, or apparently distorting the mirror. But it, it really isn't in that way. But we have to move through all of those
0: in order to get to this time when the mind can awaken. Okay. Anything else? No. Okay. Then I think we're we're done for the for the night. And do you do your 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 uh, vows and stuff, or Do You want to do that? We can do that then. Um. The, we'll finish each
1: night with bows, and when you do a bow, if you haven't
0: bowed before,
1: you, you just join your palms,
0: and when you bow, you just do a slow, deep bow, and then when you come up, your forefingers just lightly touch your forehead like that,
1: and this is just Something that we we do as respect, um, and and it's also your mind is in the, in the bow itself, the practice. The heart is in in projecting you know a, a love. Um, you could put it in that way, or transfer this love, you know, to where you want it to go. So as so as you bow again, you go down, and then just lightly touch your forehead. So you'll hear the bell go, and you'll hear somebody say bow, and then you bow. We do three vows, and then we'll do a, a fourth one uh, as a respect for um, uh, this group's uh, uh, teacher, which is uh, Master Shen Yang, and just um, whatever you hear coming out of my mouth can be traced back to him, and from him, traced back all the way back through. So what we're doing is we're showing appreciation for that, okay? No prostration, no prostrations and uh vowels
0: would be <laughs> sufficient. Okay, join your palms. Um uh, uh, Now, please face each other.
1: Just right down the middle and you guys can choose
0: where you want to go. <laughs> And then no bell bow to each other. Good job. We'll see you tomorrow. Please fold the towels and put them on the top of your question.
2: And uh,
1: remember
3: that I to leave clockwise, please. Yeah. Yeah. That's-
0: mm-hmm.